Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective Podcast. Uh, my guest is Mr. Wolf Gerlich. So, Wolf, if you want to introduce yourself for anyone who doesn't know you and hadn't, didn't catch your previous episode. <laughs> well, first off, it's great to be back. Yes, Wolfgang Gerlich. Um, I'm advisory CISO today. I've got a background leading IT and IT security in the healthcare and financial services sectors at a money management firm and a hospital, respectively. Uh, coming out of that, I did consulting for many years, ran an IM practice, uh, built an apprenticeship, uh, have done B-sides, have started security conferences and communities, uh, and just that's pretty much it. I'm a big believer in helping the next generation in and helping the current generation be better. Okay, solid. Um, so, you know, we're sitting here, it's January of 2024. Uh, I had to write, I, I, I write like maybe two checks a year now. Like a check, a check is not a thing I use anymore. I don't think my kids even know how to write a check. Uh, but I had to write a check yesterday, and I was I patted myself on the back for getting the year right. <laughs> I hear you about the checks, though. Uh, my wife and I have a nonprofit, and uh, and and people wanted paper checks. And I had to go in the bank and order them because I'm like, I don't, I don't even remember getting checks with this account did we get checks with this account and i think i just bought like six starter checks because i'm like why well, get a whole checkbook you know so weird yeah and, and i i rarely rarely if ever do i have cash on me and that's when that's been for years you know like uh it's just just the way it is but um i guess yeah you know, I, I i i would love to just talk about kind of the cybersecurity in general, market in general, um, kind of from the perspective of, you know, I, I'm gonna gonna at least age myself, uh, but you know, I've been I've been doing this a few decades, at least a couple, okay, more more than 20 years, and so I, there's a cyclical nature of when it comes to, you know, you buy best of breed and you get 17 different products, or you buy a platform and it does everything, and then and the whole market kind of goes like this and and you know and things get consolidated and integrated and I feel like we're kind of in that consolidation integration phase now where companies are starting to like merge things together and say you know you, you have a bunch of companies that come out with things that are very cool but also seem like it's not really a product by itself like you know, it's, it's a feature of a product it's not a product um, and those companies then ultimately get acquired so that they can become a feature in someone else's product. <laughs> Um, but you know, that, that, so that's my take, but I want to see like, you know, what, what do you think about, you know, some of the, you know, I mean, notably Cisco bought Splunk. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Splunk, uh, Ort, uh, we've been bolstering a lot of our security portfolio, uh, in the past, oh, the past decade, really. But, uh, you're, you're right. So think about this, um, speaking about being old, right? Yeah. The first time I was working with Cisco Gear was the late 90s. I was helping a manufacturing firm get off of really expensive dedicated circuits. And I was doing basically point-to-point -point VPN uh, in, in early, early days routing with that. Okay, And what did I have to buy? I had to buy a router for every location, a VPN concentrator. right? Uh, I, I, I had uh, another appliance that was an IPS IDS. 
Um, and then I had another appliance, which was my basically my firewall and my policy engine. And so I had four physical appliances. I had a rack in every building. But you better believe it wasn't just four because fault tolerance and high availability. It was eight. So every single building, I'm racking eight of these things. Today, a VPN, all that is just like a feature on every single firewall. I mean, even the like the cheapest uh, commodity piece of equipment you get comes with a VPN. So we have always had in this industry this idea that someone has a product and it requires all this stuff and then, you know, consolidation comes in. And then we're like, wait a minute, we don't have the right thing to, to tackle the bad guys or do the work. And then, you know, a bunch of startups come in and then they get, you know, merged in and, and whatnot. So you're, you're right. I think the cyclical nature will always continue. And we're seeing something similar right now in the SASE space, right? Whereas SASE used to be, oh, I'm going to have my DLP, and I'm going to have this, and I'm going to have that, maybe it's ETN, maybe I need Sobe VPN, and Casby, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right, here's your package. <laughs> so it is, a, it is an intriguing time. But every time, I think, we move to consolidate on a platform, where the the quick and speedy innovation still occurs is with the smaller companies that are able to keep up with the adversaries who are also very small and very nimble. And so you you have this, not only this rubber band effect, but also this sort of pushing down and operationalizing security concepts and, and platforms and products effect, uh, where you build on the next layer and build on the next layer and the weight of that you know, forms it into a, a nice, good package. So I, I agree with you. We're, we're seeing consolidation, but we're also still seeing a lot of innovation. Well, and, and, and I don't mind. I mean, I think it, I think it, I think consolidation is a, is a great thing as long as it fits a coherent plan, a coherent vision. Um, I, I, you know, there have been, uh, you know, sometimes companies make acquisitions that, you know, you look at and you're like, okay, that does make sense, you know, and then, you know, often they end up not really working out in the, in the long run too. Um, but, you know, it's like, because some companies it's like, well, no, this is you know, what you do. You know, it'd be like if McDonald's, you know, decided to start selling tacos tomorrow. It's like, well, no, McDonald's doesn't sell tacos. Although, although I guess Taco Bells are already kind of infringing on that because then they're like, well, we sell fries and other stuff. And, you know, but ultimately it's like, um, Actually, the, the better example for that one is I love Arby's, but I love Arby's roast beef. And as far as I'm concerned, Arby's doesn't make anything else. So all these commercials about we have the meats and we make chicken sandwiches and we've got hamburgers. And I'm like, no, you don't. You have roast beef sandwiches. That's it. That's all you sell. And I don't I, I, I'm not going to go to Arby's for anything else. Um, you know, but, you know, so bringing that back, I mean, I think there are some vendors where it's like, you know, Cisco is known for, you know, routing and infrastructure more so than, you know, I, I think the brand is associated more so with that than security, even though Cisco, Cisco does a ton of security stuff. Um, when you see, you know, companies, you know, you know, acquisitions and, and stuff, sometimes it just, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense at face value, but, um, but the other part of it that I think, and I think this comes, uh, your, your insight on this because of what you do as a field CISO and stuff would be, would be interesting, is I feel like m more and more CISOs, 
the you know the people making the decisions and, and and making the purchases aren't that influenced by or 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 like don't really give a shit about specific products it's like and i use this i used this analogy earlier um it's like with it's it, with travel i just want to get to the destination i don't care if you want to put me on a plane a boat a car a train i don't care how we get there what i care about is the destination i care about the outcome um and i think security comes down to a lot of that too it's like okay yes that's perfectly that your tool is great your tool is great your platform is great they all do nice things but ultimately what i care about is what's the quickest best cheapest easiest whatever like you can only pick like three of those you can't have all of them <laughs> uh way to get to this destination of i can sleep soundly at night feeling like my network is secure well there, there's a couple of things in there and first off i'll say not that it matters, but I, I'm not a field CISO, so that is an important call out. I'm an advisory oh. CISO, um, and we have a field CISO team, and you know they are very much sales outreach. Uh, within Cisco, you're right; they, they've got a pedigree of networking, they've got uh, a history of of connecting the world. Uh, but we all know, I mean, any tech company, you take any tech company, and if they haven't realized today that they're really a security company, they are in for a rude awakening because all tech companies have a target on our back. And we're seeing this with some of the SaaS companies. I'm not going to point out any individual ones, but some companies a long time said, oh, we don't do security. We only do identity. And now they're being breached all the time, right? If you don't realize that you're in the security business, you're not in the right business. So I think that makes sense why Cisco will come out with like the user protection suite and the cloud protection suite. And now we got the breach protection suite to sort of like, you know, put good controls around these areas. But to your point about CISOs, um, w when we're thinking about this, we have to think about what is really strategic and what is worth the extra time to either provision or to staff or to purchase. You know, there's always the time where it really makes sense to spend a lot of investment in something that's unique because it's driving a lot of strategic value for you and your team. Um, and then, then things change and you're like, well, that's not necessarily strategic anymore. <laughs> Is there a platform play I could use? Is there a way that I can like operationalize it, get the most out of my licensing, get the most out of my relationships. So I, I think uh, a savvy CISO um, does care about their products. However, they they focus where it makes sense, right? Um, some things just make sense to, to come and use whatever feature you have of your product. Some areas you're like, no, right now I've got a major problem in this area, or I've got a compliance gap in this area, I've got to double down. So when I hear like CISOs don't care about the product, uh, what I really, in, in my experience, what I see is CISOs care very much about the outcome and that outcome drives priorities and that priorities gets realized in their product portfolio. Okay. Um, to your point about you know, everyone being a tech company, or everyone being a cybersecurity company, um, I feel like even, even you know, Splunk, in my recollection, and I could be wrong. Initially, I looked at that more as a not as a security thing. It was, it was just a data, like an operational 
thing. It was it was a it was a utility. It was a good technology for for you know being able to you know find and organize your data and stuff. But I feel like it was like later that someone went, oh hey, this has great utility for for security. Um, and and you know again peeling peeling it back and saying okay, well if you're Cisco and what you're known for is routing and switching, then it's an obvious jump to say, okay, but you should also do security because you are the gate. Like <laughs> everything has to go through you some at some point. So it's like, why wouldn't you, you know, do something with security? Absolutely, absolutely. And and you're right. I mean, Splunk has long been a a Swiss Army knife. The first time I ever saw Splunk uh, was. Uh, oh, I'm trying to. I'm blanking on the name of the strategy game. There's some real popular strategy game that was everyone was playing like a 15 years ago, and someone came to my B sides and they did a talk on this game, and they were running all their game logs into Splunk, and they had set up dashboards about their characters, like their strategies, what was working, what wasn't, their various campaigns, <laughs> and I'm like. What is that? I call it Splunk. We also use it over here. I'm like, hmm, that's pretty handy. All the dandy and pretty dashboards, right? So, yeah, you you got to be able to do the, right? Cisco has to move packets well, quickly, efficiently, low latency, reliably. Uh, Splunk and, and those types of providers have to move logs well and translate those logs quickly, easily, and effectively into metrics, into data, into things you can take action on. Uh, and then where we realize, hey, we're under attack. So how do we use that to secure ourselves? Yeah. Um, to the point about, you know, CISOs and products versus outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. One of the other facets of that that I've I've seen is just when a new innovative technology comes along. You know, whatever that is, someone tomorrow comes out with a thing that, you know, no one's heard of but it works great. There's this period of time where Gartner hasn't yet created a magic quadrant for it. It doesn't fit into a box. Um, and when you, if you're on, if you're the sales team for that company and you go talk, you sit down with the CISO and you're talking to him, he, he, he goes, okay, well, the problem is, see, I have a line item here for vulnerability management, and I have a line item here for endpoint protection. I don't have a line item here on my budget for innovative new technology. And, and it kind of, that, that mindset, I think, hinders progress in, in, in a lot of ways. It makes it, it makes it tougher for a CISO to, you know, make a bold decision and say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gamble on this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out. Well... Then they should have a line item for that. I mean, this is unfortunately this the by the time your audience sees this, it's going to be past budget season for most of us. Um, however, you bring up a really good point, and this is something I've said in my executive coaching for years: um, is you need a budget for innovation. You need a budget for trying something out of the box, right? You, and that shouldn't only be dollars for product. Because also, how often have we seen people buy product and sits on the shelf, or you know, they just they keep paying the licensing costs and the SaaS, and somewhere there's a server spinning away happily doing nothing. Uh, we need not only an innovation budget, but an innovation team, and we are seeing uh, some of the leading security teams have that. 
Uh, now that's not always common. It's not always easy too. If you if you are you know my 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 good friend and colleague Wendy Nather talks about the security poverty line, right? With below which it's impossible to defend an organization. If you are an organization close to that poverty line, you're like, wait a minute, do I have innovation or do I have multi-factor? <laughs> you know, can I can I can I take a gamble or do I have you know insight to where my unpatched servers are? So I recognize and the spectrum of enterprises that there are a lot that are really underfunded and really tight. But there's also a lot that do have the funding, do have the flexibility, and, and you really need to do that. Also, I'll tell you what I saw last year, and this blew me away. I, If you would ask me, Tony, would this ever happen uh, like the last time we saw each other in, in 2020 in the, in the good old days before everything went down, uh, if you would ask me, hey, do you ever imagine? I would have said no. Here's what happened in in uh, 2023. CISO budgets stayed about the same or went up. CIO and CTO budgets went down. I saw some of my uh, friends who are CISOs take some of the innovation budget, take some of that uh, gap, and actually fund initiatives in the CIO's org as a way of being a good citizen, as a way of building relationships. Um, as a way of, you know, making sure <laughs> you're keeping everyone afloat. I would never have imagined the CISO would go, you know what, I'm going to give up some of my budget to help the help the, the CIO. That guy looks like he needs it, right? Who would have imagined that? But there are teams who are ready and had that flexibility who were able to do that. Well, like I agree that it's not a thing you 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 would think would happen or or that you hear about often, but also when you look at it, you say, Okay, but it also kind of makes sense. Like if I'm sitting over here and I'm like, all right, well, I've got this budget, you know, there's some things I want, but I don't really need. Um, and then you know that someone else in your company has needs. <laughs> like you should be able to go to the boardroom and or whatever, not the boardroom, but like, the, you know, have a, have a little C-suite conference call or whatever where you get together and say, hey, look, I've got some extra money over here. Let, let, you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, having the greater good in mind instead of trying to protect your own budget. Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, interestingly, uh, uh, I guess it's not really the, uh, in the same vein, but um, you know, for years now, there's been you know XDR. X, you know, for a while there, everything was XDR, XDR, XDR. I feel like it kind of quietly faded away. Like, not to say that it doesn't it doesn't exist and that companies don't still talk about it, but it doesn't seem to be nearly as prominent. And I think even the companies that pr previously were very much hammering XDR have kind of pulled back a little bit or they've rebranded it slightly. Um, and there was always, you know, some amount of confusion about, okay, well, what, what do we even mean when we say XDR? Do and, you have, oh, go yeah, ahead. But, I was gonna say, do you have an Apple Watch? Yes. Do you remember when you first got your Apple Watch, you wanted to do everything on your Apple Watch? And then like six months in, you're like, well, this is dumb. I've got a bigger screen over here. Why am I doing this? I think XDR is a really good example. We're always trying to bring features together and tightly integrate things. Um, but then once you do it, you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I can do that on my Apple Watch, but why won't I on my bigger screen? Yeah, I can try to yeah. do everything on the endpoint, but why wouldn't I bring I that back to another source, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll, I'll I'll take that a step further as well. Like I agree with your analogy. Um, I also apply the same thing with mobile phone versus PC. So like my wife, my kids will do everything on their mobile phone, and they'll send me a link. I'm like, 
okay, I'm going to go open this link on my computer where I can actually work with it and do things. Like, like I, and I, I know that that's partly a, a generational cultural thing, but I'm like, it does just make sense to me. I'm like, is it possible to do it on my phone? Yes. Do I want to do that? No. Um, but the point I was going to make was then in 2022, I guess it was just my, my, my frame of reference of time is off. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, but Gartner came out with the uh, continuous threat exposure management report. You know, so where they just said, hey, look, you know, we've come up with this you know, fancy new, new program or whatever. And, and it's not a product. It's not, you know, we're not saying it's not a new product category. We're not expecting anyone to build a CTEM device or a CTEM platform per se. Um, but it's just saying, hey, look, you've got endpoint protection. You've got vulnerability management. You've got, you know, this, that, the other thing. Um, you know, you've got identity. CTEM is just how do we mold it all together into a cohesive whole so that you have like a security program and not 17 different tools. And I, I looked at that for a while and I thought, okay, this is just DIY XDR. Like XDR is <laughs> if CrowdStrike or Sentinel One or whoever says, hey, we're going to do all these things. We're going to move all move all these things. We're going to have all these features in a platform. We're going to sell it to you. We're going to call it XDR. And then CTEM is like, okay, I've already got all 17 of those things. I can just do that. Sure. Yeah. And, and you know, this, this is Gartner for you, right? That Gartner loves to draw the lines and and trying to find a product category and then all the vendors are like what of my product category don't i have and then there's you know it spurs innovation and build or buy um but uh to to your point oftentimes i'm just wondering all right did you, didn't you just re rename something <laughs> like uh carta was another one isn't carta just zero trust no it's completely different because um we're not calling it trust oh okay all right cool <laughs> Gotcha. Um, well, I want to pivot a little bit and just talk about like what are you seeing like in in when in conversations you're having. What are the things that you know organizations are focused on or most worried about for 2024? Well, I think we're we all have some some concerns about the global economy. And whereas the budget was okay last year, will it still be okay this year? <sighs> Hopefully it will, but what happens if we have to make cuts? And so there is certainly a lot of conversations going around with respect to how do I do tool consolidation? How do I simplify my you know security portfolio? Um, obviously, how do I get more from my vendors than I'm getting now? And, you know... Back to back to shelfware. The other thing that's always frustrated with me, be it when I was, you know, at the financial services firm rolling out things, or when I was consulting, or right up to today, is you know, organization will buy tools, launch an initiative, everyone's excited, they'll deploy 10% of it, and then they'll move on. And so there is certainly a lot of untapped potential and a lot of the tooling that's been purchased. So there's there's a lot of conversations right now around that. Like, do we need to upgrade certain things? Can we consolidate certain things? Do we have overlap with our tools? Uh, and then there's still a lot of conversation going around with identity uh, modernization. So, you know, how am I doing my workforce identity? When, when and where should I use passwordless? 
is my workforce identity a separate system than my customer and partner identity, or is it the same system? How should those teams be structured? Uh, and then the third thing that I'm seeing is, you know, zero trust is where I've spent a lot of my time, right? And and one of the things that I've done in my day job is uh, I work with Scientia, shout out to them, um, on a uh, slice and dice of security outcomes report where they talk to 5,000 folks globally, double blind, 20 to 30 countries, annual study, and they ask them, what are you doing and what, what outcomes you're getting? And we've been doing uh, a slice of zero trust on that. Um, and what has been fascinating on that side, so broad picture, and do I have the right tools? Am I spending the right things? Next, you know, am I shaping up my identity correctly? The next thing on the zero trust side for organizations are multi-year into that. Now they're like, wait a minute. We've got all these components of zero trust, how are they talking together? And what about my applications? What about my data? Where are my gaps, right? I thought I was going to eliminate all the trust if I did these things. Uh, but now the trust is over there. And so, you know, it's almost like uh, squeezing one of those stress balls where it never really goes away, it just bubbles up to the sides. There's a lot of doubling down on zero trust to try and figure out areas that have been overlooked or areas that still have residual trust in them. So as broad themes, those are the, the things that I'm seeing quite a lot of. Okay. Well, and, you know, one of the other things that I think is a, you know, primary thing that keeps people up at night, but I've talked with a couple of people and nobody seems to have like a real great answer for it is the ransomware scourge. You know, it's just, because it's hard to make it, you know, like a lot of times it's, you know, it's just a, that's a, that's a phishing attack. That's a, you know, like the, 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 the vector of getting the ransomware in is harder to, to, to prevent, uh, it seems. And, and it's just, you know, that, that whole, you know, ransomware has, you know, evolved over the years from, it was just a different kind of malware. It was just you know, a different virus payload. And then there was like, all right, well, no, wait, we can make a whole business model out of this. And then it was double extortion, triple extortion. And then in the last like year, year and a half, they, uh, there were there were some, some threat actors that went to removing the encryption portion of it and basically saying, okay, I've exfiltrated your data that's the thing that I'm going to hold for ransom. I'm not even going to encrypt your networks or your or your your endpoints. Um, and I remember thinking that that was kind of brilliant because there's always a there's always this kind of like debate about you know should you pay the ransom, should you not pay the ransom, um, and if if the threat actors encrypt your network and take you down, if you're a hospital, if you're a colonial pipeline. It's kind of hard to hide that. Like, you know, you're 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 offline. Your 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 whole system is shut down. The business cannot operate. So it's no longer a secret. But if I just steal your data and hold that hostage and say, hey, look, if you don't pay this ransom, I'm going to leak your data. I'm going to sell it to your competitors. I'm going to do whatever. Well, now I can quietly pay you the ransom. <laughs> and you know, it seems to be like a win-win for the victim and the and the ransomware threat groups because it 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 makes it easier to pay the ransom without uh, un, unnecessary uh, exposure. Yeah, you know, I, I alluded to seeing you before the pandemic started in in 2020, 
And if you think about the pandemic, when it hit, we were like, we're going to bend the curve. We're going to stay home. We're going to solidarity, masks for everyone, right? We're all, we're all fired up for almost a good year uh, about like stopping COVID and hitting COVID zero and this. And now we're like, meh, <laughs> it's a thing. And people are still getting infected, but we're, we're, we're going to just consider that endemic now. In a very real way, I feel like ransomware, when it first came out, we're like, we're going to stop it. We're going to thwart it. We're going to deploy it. And at this point in time, we're like, yeah, it's just a thing. It's a thing that costs $5 million uh, every year in the U.S. in damages. And it's just, it's a thing. Now, in part, if you think about why ransomware started, ransomware really got kicked off because the attacks that were happening and the early days of ransomware around credit card theft and PII theft flooded the market, right? How many cards got stolen and lost by Home Depot and Target and everyone else that we've told campfire stories about forever? And suddenly where criminals used to make money stealing data and selling it to other criminals, they couldn't make as much money. They weren't making pennies on the dollar to what they used to make. And so they're like, aha, I got this great idea. I will steal your data and I'll sell it back to you. And so it made sense, but the 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 economics, once the economics switched and ransomware took off and started growing, nothing has yet changed that economic calculus, right? Just like it changed when we stopped selling uh, credit cards and PII and started selling back your data as adversaries, nothing has yet changed that economic calculus on the ransomware side. And until something changes that economic calculus, we're going to see it. And I think at this point in time, we're we're all so uh, jaded <laughs> that we're like, oh, yeah, someone else said with ransomware. All right. Well, jaded is the word I was going to use when, when talking about identity and the loss of PII. So, like, I, you know, I, 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 I look at identity and I say identity is the foundation of security. I mean, you know, it's because it's like. If I can, if I can, if I can have, if I get your credentials and I can be you, then that opens up all kinds of doors and and whatever. But when it when it comes to things like Target, Home Depot, Sony, whoever, you know, the 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 breach du jour, um, and they make big news and they're like, oh, 300 million, you know, user accounts were were breached and compromised, and they're all out there on the dark web. I'm like. Isn't my stuff already on the dark web? Like I, I feel, I feel like that ship sailed. Like I'm not, I'm actually not worried about my stuff being on the dark web because I feel like it's already been there for 20 years. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely right, absolutely right. Um, and so there, there's no putting that genie back in the box. Or no, you don't even put a genie in the box. You put it in a bottle, right? Forget the box. There's no putting it in a bottle. It's even smaller that way. The uh, the the data's out there. Data's still now. It's in part um, the fact that we're jaded now about that is a little bit of a good thing from the defender perspective because you know in the old days we were so terrified of of um, brand damage and perception damage and everything else. And I think that's another thing that that is no longer at the forefront. Now it's real dollars and cents, especially with uh, the SEC rulings and, and new guidelines that they put out. Um, so, yeah, I, I think there's there's a general jadedness uh, among consumers. There certainly continues to be a high degree of vigilance among the defense 
Uh, but I, I no longer think any of these things surprise us. A, a big ransomware attack or records lost or the letter that I got just the other day saying, oh, we're sorry we leaked your data. Oh, thanks. Hospital system. Great. Great job, guys. Did they did they give you a free year of identity, uh, no. identity theft protection? Because they didn't offer I, that. I've gotten so many of those. I'm like, I feel like I have like seven overlapping lifetime identity theft protection you know, accounts at this point. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> my identity should be protected. Um, yeah, you know, it, it, the SEC rules reminds me that, that that's actually that's that's put another uh, another attack vector now for the threat actors because now you had the thing where the threat actor were like, oh well, not only did you not pay the ransom, but you didn't disclose this, so we're going to let the SEC know for you. Yes, yes, classic, classic. Uh, but you know, I do think it's good that there needs to be disclosures now. I. I I'm hoping that this disclosure process with the SEC, right? Where you say, here's what we saw, here's what we found, blah, 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 here's what we did about it, uh, along with here's what our security controls will begin to serve sort of like the same function that NTSB serves for air travel, where we have uh, a collection of data points. We can see what works, what doesn't. We can do investigations. It'll be it'll be really good when all this data starts being collected. But right now. Early stages, I think many orgs are just trying to figure out how to respond. And you're right, many adversaries are taking advantage of that to put extra pressure to squeeze out a ransom. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned before that you know the uh, you know challenges with the global economy, and I feel like you know we we, we went through you know all of last year, um, you know, actually the year, the last you know year and a half of you know mass layoffs. You know, as everyone kind of reacted to, you know, the slowdown of the economy, I feel like things, you know, in the last quarter of last year actually kind of like leveled off, maybe picked up a little like thing, things are kind of looking all right. But now, personally, I feel like companies are still going to be somewhat hesitant, even if even if the market economy, you know, the, the market in general seems better. Um and I don't want to go off on 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 the political rails, but I feel like with the tw- with the election looming, that companies will be like a little hesitant about. Well, let's let's wait and see which way the 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 balance tilts um, before we put our money back in the market. I can see that. I can see that. And also, you know, just looking outside of the the U.S., you know, the World Bank issued a report recently that's suggesting that. Uh, the global economy is set for its worst half decade of growth in 30 years. So just globally, they're saying we're 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 going to be flat for a while. You know, uh, what was the old term? Stagflation, I think. Speaking yeah. of like the good old days, we're 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 not in inflation. We're not in in panic mode, but we're definitely in this flat period where your your major corporations, global corporations, are are trying to figure out what that means for the supply chain trying to figure out what that means for their orders. And of course, those supply chains go all trickle all the way down to a mom and pop company that's, you know, selling the coffee to the guy who's, you know, putting the parts into the, you know what I'm saying. It yeah. is it is right down to the bottom of the rungs of the the economy from these global fortune companies. So it's gonna be a very I think it's gonna be a very slow uh, restart. And I wish that wasn't the case, but that is, from everything I'm seeing, I think it's going to be a very slow restart of of the global economy. And that, of course, 
directly translates in the U.S. economy, directly hits on what you're saying with the election. Um, and so there's a lot of companies that are in a wait and see process. Now we've we've been in this, we've been up, we've been down. This is this is this the way it goes. And so you know the the smart money, of course, is to to take this time, to take this pause, to get better, either personally, uh, get better in your teams, uh, again, port, get your portfolio in shape, uh, so that when things turn around, we're we're in a competitive position, both individually, professionally. Uh, from an organization standpoint, from a company standpoint. Well, and I'll throw in a, a, a somewhat self-serving plug in there, which is it is my own philosophy. And you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but like when when companies are in a downturn, like marketing seems to be the first thing to go. It's like, all right, well, you know, we're, we're, we don't need that. And to some extent, I believe that's true. I mean, I mean, there are certainly things that are you know could be more important in terms of you know product and 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 sales and such. But when you're looking at an extended stagnation or downturn, um, I would say you can't just not market. Like eventually the market will turn around and things will pick back up. And you don't want to start from square one where nobody even knows who you are and what your brand is. You know, so it's like you still need to do enough to keep your name in the mix so that when things pick back up someone goes oh yes i knew i know about you and i want your product i just couldn't buy it before yeah and there's been you know it's been a long time since i hit the business books but there's been plenty of uh case studies where companies went into down markets and increased their spend on marketing increased their spend on outreach and when the market picked back up they were you know first to uh, reap the rewards and and early to to grow, so I, I I'm sure we could uh, especially if we had where, where's our where's our MBAs at <laughs> if uh, if we had an MBA out here I'm sure they could rattle off a couple good case studies for us, but yeah you know it is it is true that if you're not spending money on the right things, uh, certainly brand building but also you know product innovation and product maintenance. Uh, you're, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle when the economy comes back. Um, yeah, one example, and not everyone can do this. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a unicorn home run. But you know, the, the, the big thing with the, the Stanley uh, mugs, the Stanley, you know, thermostat, whatever, and you know, that that brand has been around for 110 years, and like in 2019, I think their gross revenue was like 75 million. And then some post went viral about, you know, these Stanley, you know, cups or whatever. They made 750 million last year. <laughs> so, you know, you get, you, you just get, you, get, you know, the, the, that one viral post will give you a 10x, uh, 10x multiplier of revenue. Oh, dear Lord. No, everyone's going to get hit the TikToks and start, uh, start trying to, you know, swing for the fences. Yeah. Well, all right. So. I want to kind of wind down, but uh, you know, one thing that we haven't hit on that uh, other people may not know is that uh, you and I are both Michiganders. So I want to say uh, congrats to the Wolverines. Go blue. Aha, absolutely. Thank you. Also, uh, looking forward to this weekend. You know, we'll see if the Lions can, uh, you know, like, I, I, I don't, like, I don't want to jinx anything, but I don't have any illusions of them winning the Super Bowl per se. I feel like that's jumping the gun. Um, but, uh, I, I, I will settle for just getting past round one of the playoffs because it's been 
I'm not sure that's been done in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just shocked and happy they made it this far. So, yeah, uh, I think it's a. It goes to show good management. Yeah, like they they changed GMs, and they've had three years in a row of draft classes where like all of those guys are the main guy. Like th- those are the guys who are making the difference, who are making the, making the plays and winning the games. And whereas in the previous decade, they would have like first round picks all the time. Cause when you suck, you get, you get, you get to pick first <laughs> and they'd pick Heisman winning quarterbacks or whatever. And these guys would wash out of the NFL in a, in a, in a half a season. So, you know, you, if you make, uh, you make the right draft picks and uh, it makes all the difference. Meanwhile, the uh, Pistons set the record for the longest losing streak in NBA history. I think they're currently three and thirty-four. Well, you know, we've we've got uh, we've got an agreement in Detroit. Only one team can shine at a time. We take turns. So the way it goes, right? Their turn will come. <laughs> yeah. So all right. Well, um, you know, thanks thanks for taking the time. Uh, it's great to catch up. Haven't chatted with you in a while. So. Uh, uh, I, I actually do think I will be at RSA, so maybe we'll run into each other there. That'd be fantastic. And thanks again for having me back on, Tony. It's been great. All right. Take care. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.